Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. I'm joined in actually a proper studio here in China Accelerator, Shanghai. On my right, the man, Kapil Kane. Daja hao Shanghai and all of Asia. <laughs> Whatever that meant. That means hello everyone in Chinese. Good man. And on my left here, I'm pleased to be sitting next to a fellow Spanish guy like myself, obviously. Spent a bit of time there. Oscar Ramos. Hey everybody, great to be here, joining All of these these both crazy guys. These crazy guys. So you, where, you, where are you from originally, Oscar? I'm I'm from Spain. I was born in Madrid, uh, raised in Barcelona. So I've done oh. a third of my life in every city and then a few other cities. So you're part uh, in the middle. Madrino, part Barcelona, part Catalan. Catalan, you can say Catalan. Yeah. And, and then you came to Shanghai. Shanghai. There's a bit of a story there as well, right? Because you you didn't actually originally intend to come to Shanghai, right? You, could, you we were talking a bit off air about you were going to come to Shenzhen, but. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I can tell you more because Shenzhen was actually the second, the third destination. Not, third destination. Not, not even the first one. Yeah. What was the first one? Um, I mean, the reason for me living abroad, uh, everything started in these dangerous family dinners when you talk about the future and what right. you should do. Right. And uh, I was talking about going to the US and somebody oh. like my, my when uncle. When you were in Spain? I was in Spain, yeah, with my, with my, fam- my, my uncle. So I'm like kind of a... I'm kind of a black sheep in my family. Everybody's a public servant and they studied something uh, about literature, laws. I'm an engineer. Very safe. Yeah, very safe. So I'm an, I'm an engineer by training and an entrepreneur. Right. So um, it was like, yeah, you, you know, if, if I were you, instead of going to the US, I'll go to China. Why don't you go to Hong Kong? Right. And few conversations with people about Hong Kong after that was, uh, yeah, you know, Hong Kong is China, but it's, it's not the real mainland China. So if you're going to go to that region, go to Shenzhen. Then another conversation after that was, Shenzhen, wow, you're going to have a really hard time in Shenzhen. I mean, this is like 2007. Um, so going to, to Shenzhen is going to be difficult because there's no support network there. So why don't you go to Shanghai? You land in China. Then after a year, if whatever you want to go um, makes sense to do it in Shenzhen, then just move to Shenzhen. Right, right. And I came 10 years ago. <laughs> and uh, and I never moved back. Thing, right? I mean, Kapo, you've been here 11 years, right? Yeah, I came here a year before well, what you was it? What was it like back then? Because now it's, it's so... Like, let me just describe the picture. We're sitting in a recording studio, drinking beer on a Friday afternoon, surrounded by people who all speak English. It's, it's sort of very sort of comfortable. You know, what would it have been like back then? I'll tell you, Shenzhen, you know, I came to China first in 2005 yeah. uh, with Apple, Okay. And we were not allowed anywhere outside. So there would be a car taking us from the hotel to the factory, Foxconn's factory and back. We had our dinner, drinks, everything in the hotel. No one allowed outside because it was a scary place. There who, was, who wasn't allowing you to go outside? Our it? company, basically. Oh, right. Yeah. So they're like, if you leave, you know, um, if you go out on your own, you're on your own. Right, uh, right. We, we strongly advise you not to venture out. But that was Shenzhen. There was Shenzhen, yeah. Okay. I mean, Shanghai was way uh, Shanghai more, more was open. way way more open. Um, uh, but we had only one approved hotel to stay in, the Jin Mao right. Tower. It was crazy, you know. Our factory was in Songjiang, and we had only one approved hotel to live in, and that was the Jin Mao Tower. Right? But that was also by because the company, the company, kind of a, the because, company had that policy. Yeah, because you know they, you know, their standards were different, uh, and you know only one could match, and then slowly it expanded, right? So it was kind of like quite a different time. Today, you know, there are like hundreds of hotels in Shanghai at that time. They deemed there was only one safe place or one that met the mm. requirement. Uh, but yeah, Shenzhen was a scary place. Shanghai was amazing. 
Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. Well, what were they worried that you were going to do if you ventured off into no, Shenzhen? No, we would get pick, pickpocketed, oh, we would right, get okay. fleeced, those kind of things. Not, that was a real thing back then. Yes, it, it was a real thing in Shenzhen back then. It was right, very chaotic. Right. Uh, Shanghai, I think today, I would say is the safest place you can find anywhere, mm. like for me at least. I'm not afraid uh, to go out any time of the day. My wife or my kid, they go out any time. I feel super safe. I don't feel the same way when I'm right. in San Francisco or uh, even in my hometown in India. Uh, what was it like that back in 2005, six, seven? What was it like? This is before Beijing Olympic, right? So it's kind of different world in the public consciousness as well. I'm really curious about your experiences, both of you. Like, what I, mean, was... I mean, the security thing was really a, a big thing. But uh, what I mean, when, when I landed here, um, that was pre-Olympics. That was yeah. pre-Expo. And um, finding anybody that was able to communicate in English right. or even finding... Spanish? Finding, uh, Spanish was like... Uh, <laughs> I, I even, 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 even even thought about that. And uh, But finding anybody that could speak English, finding menus in, in restaurants in English, going to a bank, like everything you wanted right. to do was done always in, in Chinese. And for me, I think that was something that uh, as an entrepreneur, because I came here to, to build a company, mm. uh, every challenge becomes an opportunity. So that was an opportunity to actually improve my Chinese a lot. Right. So I, I think in that- the deep end, right? I mean, I, I didn't have that. a lot of budget to, to yeah. because I was on, on entrepreneur budget. And uh, every time that I need to get anything done was an opportunity to learn and practice mm. uh, Chinese. So I'm very goal oriented. So it's like, I need to get a bank account. And I know that nobody in the bank is going to be able to speak Chinese, English. So mm. let's work a little bit on, on the simulated conversations and get some words, get some stuff done. Let's go. Let's do it. Right. I need to rent an apartment. And uh, if I go for English speaking um, agencies, I'm not going to pay more. It's going to be 10, 15, 20, 30 percent more. So let's try to go for Chinese speaking uh, mm. audience, uh, agencies through that. So finally, like putting yourself into these difficult situations was a. Uh, a way to learn Chinese. Today, you go to most places and there's a lot of English-speaking people mm. and uh, if they don't really fully speak English, they actually want to practice. They see yeah, that as right. an opportunity. That's tough, isn't it, for yeah. you trying to learn Chinese because yeah. immediately they're throwing English at you and yeah. you, you try and speak a bit Chinese back to them and you know, eventually the one who's got the weakest language gives yeah. up, don't they? But, well, did you come here on your own when you moved out here in 2007? Were you? No, I didn't. Um, so well, I came on my own as in a, I didn't have a company. Right. I didn't have a, an, an, any scholarship or anything. I mean, I came here as, a, as an adventure to, to build a company. Right, right. But I came with my with my girlfriend. Right, right. Is she Chinese or Spanish? She's Spanish. Right, right. So, okay. So you were both foreign. You came here. When, when you rocked up at the airport back in 2007 and you looked around and people didn't speak English or Spanish, did you think, what the fuck am I doing here? Did you ever have that moment? So we had that moment because it's actually a funny story. So I came through a Madrid-Beijing uh, direct flight and then Beijing to Shanghai. So the actual airport, first airport where I landed and had to do through customs right, right. was Hongqiao Airport, which is a way local, way more local airport than, than Putong is. So very limited expectation to, to English speaker. Then we're bringing basically our life in a couple of, uh, in a right. few, few suitcases. And uh, we're super jet lag, super like impressed with everything that were happening here. So we made a small mistake. We forgot a suitcase in the airport. Wow. And uh, we went to the hotel. Small mistake. We, we, went to the, life. We, went to, we, we went to the hotel and when we arrived to the hotel, it was like, oh, we forgot you this suitcase. So let's go back to the hotel. Let's go back to the airport. And it's like, 
okay, if we lose this suitcase, we're going to be under trouble <laughs> because we have very limited like warm clothes and, um, <laughs> and we don't know how to buy anything. We don't really want to waste money. So we went to Honcho Airport. We jump any type of security <laughs> control or anything. We got ourselves into the lost and found uh, area of the airport. We found our luggage and we took it back. Wow. And when we arrived, it was like, okay, uh, China is going to be difficult, but it's not impossible. Right, right. We just need to make sure that, uh, that we know what we want and we go for it. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Though. That's the, That's the a good first, start. Eight, first six hours in China. Right, right. Yeah, no, a bit ominous, right, as a start. Did you, I mean, couple when you came here, it, you, you said 2005, was it? Mm -hmm. You came, were you in the States before you came yeah, here? Yeah. So that, that was even more of a transition. You were out in Silicon Valley, weren't you, at the yes, time? Yes. Yeah. How, how was that sort of flying out of Silicon Valley into China? And, I mean, because at the time, really, China was just sort of a manufacturing warehouse for yeah. Silicon Valley, I, right? I also have a very, you know, like a first impression of my chi China was completely weird. So we, we flew into Hong Kong, me and my manager, mm. and we took a, uh, a car from Hong Kong airport straight to Foxconn's factory. We arrived at around noon and everything was dark. Lights off. So we walk into the factory, all the lights are turned down and I see people sleeping on the floors. No way. Yeah. I'm like, what's this? <laughs> and I think you know what it is, right? The, the lunch break and the nap. So people have like, uh, you know, like mattresses, pillows, mm. and they, you know, take a nap during the lunch. Wow. That was my first experience of Who, China. Who were you working for at the time? Apple. Right, right. Yeah. So you knew like you had factories out there, but you didn't know actually what it, these people were doing no. and like sleeping. This, no. this is like the real, yeah. the real deal, right? Yeah. You're seeing it. That wow. was my first intro to China. Like, you know, like straight flying from flying to Hong Kong, drive a car straight to the factory, yeah. go in and lights off, people sleeping. And then in like half an hour, like all the lights on and like, you know, everything back to normal. Yeah. What was it that sold you on the the idea that, yeah, actually, I could move to China? That was way later. I moved here two years later. Uh, it's uh, what we used to do is at that time, uh, we were doing the first MacBook Air. So that was our first unibody kind of design mm. where everything was carved out of aluminum, solid block of aluminum. So you didn't have to design. You also had to design the process. At the same time, you had to design a product. And all the process design happened here in the factory. So we thought, why don't we move some of our product designers in China so that we don't waste time communicating? Mm. You know, usually what would happen is we'll throw the design over the fence. Then they will say, we can't do it. Then we'll ask them why. And they'll say, no, you can do it. Then they're like, okay, I can do it. And one week is gone. So if you are here, they say something, you just go to the factory floor mm. and take a look why it can't be done. You can adjust the design or change the process. And it completely changed the you know, like the pace of our design, you know, iterations. And to me, it was like empowering. I could try anything and mm. immediately I could get results. And we brought like more and more people here. Uh, and I think that was the driver for me is everything is made here. And we were simply sitting. Another thing was that we're sitting in those nice offices in like Apple's campus and we didn't know the realities here. Mm. So once we were in China, we could appreciate how difficult it is for them to manufacture the crazy things we asked them to do. And it completely changed my mindset about designing it in a way that could be actually easy to make or easier to make mm. and not something which is just looks nice on the screen. And it takes a lot, it's a lot harder to manufacture. So, uh, and, uh, so, so I could learn so much about how things are made mm. 
Mm. Uh, so that me, so I thought you, it's, you could have chosen to stay. I mean, Apple has a really nice campus, right? So yeah. In Cupertino, why couldn't you? I mean, people must have been looking at you, thinking you're nuts, Capo. Why are you doing this? Like, this is this is good. This is this is this is living like here in Cupertino. You got everything, and why? But you know, I think there's a bad side to that as well. So if I lived in Cupertino, I would come to China every month. Yeah. So you just had to fly every month. Right. So the travel must yeah, the travel is crazy. Sucked, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that was also another thing I had in mind. And there was like so much happening here, yeah. so much new things to learn and like so many like, you know, new kinds of people, the businesses, the processes, nothing we could have seen by sitting there in our offices. So I think if I look at how mature designer I would have been staying in Cupertino and staying here, I think it's a no brainer, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think that that's really a good point that really connects with me because a lot of people ask me, why did you go to China? It's like, you know, the right question is not why did I go to China? Maybe like 10, 11 years ago, that might be a question. Today, nobody nobody has a right. doubt about that. But what really is a really interesting question is like, why did you stay in China? And either what you mentioned is what, what makes a lot of people stay in China. Like for me, as an engineer, I was involved in products uh, in the past, but I was never involved in the in the concept of uh, mass manufacturing and most importantly, this all these design for manufacturing concept mm -hmm. where you can optimize a design just because changing the way you play certain things or you do certain things will have a massive impact in um, in, in just making the product more yeah. available. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's so many things like these happening in China in almost any 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 area you wanna you wanna look about that. If you're a person that loves that challenge, loves that opportunity, it becomes like a extremely addictive because mm. there's always something new. There's a new thing happening here. And that's like, a, that's very special. What is that? I'm not an engineer, Oscar. So teach me. What, okay. what is that thinking that you're talking about where as an engineer, you kind of get this sort of direct access to, you know, the product creation, which you're talking about. What is it? What, so what does that you do think, for you? You think about the typical, typical uh, let's build something, okay? And right. you want to build something, and, and most people, when they try to build a product, they think, okay, I want a product that can do this. Yeah. And that's a very important feature. One of the things that, that companies like Apple and, and, and others did very good was understanding that functionality was very important, but making sure that things were very usable. Easy to use, and and the users could could have a happy experience achieving what they want to achieve. That was very important. What uh, what kind of China theme brought or at least opened up my mind to that was the fact that yeah, I mean, if you think about all the stakeholders involved in this process, the manufacturing part is one thing. Mm. So changing how you do certain things can have a massive impact in your ability to mass produce something. And if you're able to ma to introduce a process of mass production. The cost of the product will be massively lower. The maybe the, the the problems that that product could have could be very different. And this is not changing how I mean. What are the functionalities? The functionalities are going to be the same. This is not going to fundamentally change the user experience, like how the the user is something very internal that normally you don't see. So it's the typical picture of the of the iceberg where mm. you only see the top, and the top is what the user sees. These are stuff that happens on the on the on the like back door. You cannot see, it, but it's is. I mean, from a person that wants to like build something and, and be part of the of the birth of a new creation, that that for me was very interesting, very unique. I mean, I, I never saw that. Mm. So, I mean, as an engineer, maybe it's easy to get compartmentalized or isolated building something, but coming here, you get access to all the the elements of, I suppose, traditionally what they call the value chain, but all the elements of what actually creates something, right? A, a product or technology, or whatever. That must be quite rewarding. 
you know, actually make you feel like you're actually creating something that's meaningful. I wonder when engineers come here to China, do they change? Do they think about things differently? Do you see that? Because you must, you, you guys have been here collectively 20 plus years. Do people change when they come here? Do they think about things like technology differently? I mean, how, how, what have you seen? I think absolutely. You know, like, uh, so we, we work uh, what they call in-region team. Okay, so what does that mean? <clears throat> that, that means like the guys who moved here from like right. Apple from Cupertino to China, right? And and what happened is as the years went by, they would run all critical designs by us. So we would simply look at the design and say whether and we would immediately point out like this you need to fix it this way, you need to change it this way. So they saw us people with like a a, a unique perspective. Just because we are here, right. we have seen how things are made. We know ins and outs of manufacturing process, and we are ourselves designers, right? And what we saw is, so we brought in more and more people over the years, and we saw that within a year, now this guy can, he gets it. Now, you could see the improvements in their designs. They would not make the stupid mistakes they would have made had they not been here. It's mm. very clear. What is that? You say he gets it. He gets what? What do they think differently about? Okay, for example, if you want to create a, a cup, right, like this, yeah. uh, a nice engineer would make it just straight. Okay? If you make a straight cup, it's, mm. it will never come out of the mold. So you need to give it a little draft. Things like that, which no one would think. Right. Unless you come and see it coming out of a molding yeah. machine, they're like, ah, that's why the draft is for. Right. Gotcha. So those kind of things people would never get if they had yeah. not been here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, now I mean in I mean, one of one of the new new revolutions in China is this mobile experience, like building mobile like China is the largest mobile mobile first and, yeah. and to a certain degree mobile only. So the amount of stuff here that is being created, the amount of data collected for mm -hmm. for almost anything that you want to create, that's great. No? I mean one of the one of the reasons why China is becoming a like a superpower in the space of artificial intelligence and machine learning is the huge amount of data yeah. available here yeah. that you can use to train almost anything that you want to do. Yeah. I think as well, um, something I want to talk about is just, I get this when I walk into China Accelerator today, I want to share an observation. So, I mean, I spent a lot of time going to different startup ecosystems around Asia. I've spent a lot of time in Japan and they've got like experiments going on out in Fukuoka, Hong Kong, Bangkok, Singapore. I've, I've seen them all, right? But I come here and you walk in the door and boom, the energy's there and people want to talk to you. You know what? Okay, I'm not going to name the city, but I went to a city recently, and you could go back and listen to my podcast if you want to know. So I went to a city recently. It's not in China. It's like walking into a library, right? I walk into a library, sort of startup, etc. You know, the people aren't talking. They're like here. They're like, yeah. Hey, what do you do? What are you up to? Tell me about your story. Everyone wants to talk. There's an energy here. What is that? And What's that too on? on a holiday. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Say, I mean, right. okay. So this Sorry. is a holiday. I mean, we yeah. we keep like working a bit, but but it's a holiday. Like right, normally, right, there's, yeah. there's if you come more here, activity. it would be like you know buzzing. You wouldn't be able to hear yourself. What, what is that? Help help the listeners understand. What are we talking about? Is it kind of like that vibe that people say this is what makes Silicon Valley special? Is that sort of you know like you get that compounding, lots of positive people, like you say, goal motivated yourself, Oscar. Lots of people like that come together. In this place, I mean, you both come from outside, so you obviously got off your ass, you've done something with your life, and you've come here, and you put a lot of people like that together, it creates that sort of compounding of energies and ideas, right? What do you think it is that makes this special, that compared to other startup ecosystems that I've been to, there's something special here, there's some energy? Well, the, the, the thing is that you don't have to create the artificial activity. The city is extremely dynamic. There's a lot of people say that, that, uh, that 
I mean, there's a saying from from one. I don't know. I don't remember exactly who said that, but uh, they. I mean, there's a saying that uh, New York is the city that never sleeps. Mm. Uh, Shanghai is the city that never sits. Like right. it is always activity happening here. So the whole activity, the dynamism of of the city, already makes that happen. Then if you put together certain um, order inside mm. these uh, this passion and energy and activity, and you channel that into a um, a goal. Mm. And to into vision or making things happen, then you can create uh, ecosystems like that. Right. Like even even some of, some of the, I mean, we're, we're a special thing because that's what we do. I mean, we have to create the right environment for people to be ready to try new things, to experiment, mm. to be open minded, to be comfortable sharing about uh, about what what worked, what didn't work, etc. And uh, and the city itself, it already gives you the right foundation to make right. that happen. But what w- what is it that, that's here that you can't get? Because we're, we're both European, as an example. You, you've come from India originally, yeah, right? I mean, India is full of energy. I mean, Mumbai. Yeah, but bam! the place I come from, Goa, it's uh, the slowest place. Well, it's right next to a beautiful beach. Though. Know, why, why do yeah. you want to go and start a startup where you could go and lie on the beach? And no, that's what people them. ask me. What am I not? Why am I not right. in Goa? Right? right. But the thing is, the the energy you see is the is the China speed. You know, right. here. You you want to get something done? You can immediately get it done. Yeah, yeah. I, I sense think- that. I sense that. Just even the conversations around here. You want to meet this person? You, you, like you were saying earlier, you were talking to Chris, right? It's like you want to meet this person. You know, like, let's meet. Let's let, you know. We'll do lunch. It's just like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I mean, we come from Europe where that's quite hard, isn't it? I mean, if you just want to meet somebody, you've got to know somebody and you've got to have an introduction. It doesn't happen at that speed, does it? It's kind of like here. It's quite refreshing. Yeah, and this is kind of um so. In depending what what ecosystems there's a or what what circles in China, mm. and most of organizations tend to be really really flat. Like I mean, this if you think about the international community here, is big enough to be relevant. There's enough people that has that has influence, and um, and and you have easy access. Yeah, I mean we're sitting next to Kapil now. I mean he's he's the head of innovation for for Intel, yeah. which is a massive company in China, and he's sitting here with us. Having a beer, having a beer, drink, talking, a talking about this. I mean, yeah. what are the chances for you to to have a, a seat, a seat with, without any planning? Having a, a conversation like this with a with a, somebody right. at that level of a of a such a large company, um, without any planning, any security, yeah. any type yeah. of thing. That, that oh, that's a very wait, thing. Wait. If someone asked me three years ago if I'd be sitting in this room in CA, I would be like, you know, are you smoking? something right yeah you know i'll tell you i you know like uh, i was doing a startup with my friend and we turned on a tv and there was william balbin speaking on it and i'm like wow this guy you know <clears throat> and so i want to meet him and i didn't know how to meet him right so i one day you know i think maybe a month later i see him at american chamber of commerce yeah and then i you know he he introduced himself and i'm here now there's no, I, none of the arrogance, is there? Yeah, yeah. I think you know that's what I feel here. Hierarchy. Is that, yeah, you know, people in China, I mean Shanghai, especially, or even China, there is no that level of hierarchy. You know, people are all like yeah, yeah, yeah. equal. They are very open. They you know introduce themselves. Yeah, and and then you, it's very easy to access people. And I bump into same people in different circles. There's so much overlap. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. You never know. I mean, if you when you go to a meeting with a with with a like. Chinese people and it's important. You never know. I mean, there might be a person that doesn't. It's not dressing exactly the most formal one, yeah. but might be the most influential person yeah, in the yeah. in the whole meeting. So yeah. sometimes appearances and and titles don't necessarily mean as much. So you you have to be open minded. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to be. Talking of which, if I may, because I know he's on your podcast in a minute, sitting next door 
I don't know if he can he hear us. He cannot he, hear can, us. He's making notes furiously. But talking of that, we have Jeffrey Handley. He's pretending not to notice us. But maybe we can get him in just to have a quick chat with us. Do you really think we can shove a pair of headphones sure. on him? Yeah, we don't have more. Well, Derek's one, but maybe okay, I can, can but, uh, so I can switch. I can switch with Let's the bring him in the, bring him in the room. We're just having a chat here. Yeah. How long does it normally your podcast? We've got about another five minutes. Let's get Jeff in. Is that cool? Sure. No, it's, I mean, if you want to make it longer, it's fine. Because I don't think we have time to do our own. Oh, really? <laughs> Come in. Hello, hello. Jeffrey, Graham. Hey, Graham, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I heard a lot about you. Obviously, you spoke to... Come in. Can you have to take my... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just rocked up. He was just sitting there in gonna, the room next to us. Can I come here, Kevin? We can use this. Oh, you're going to share it. Yeah. Go there? Hello. Jeffrey Handley in the house. Jeffrey, grab yourself a headphones. Headphones on the mic. Awesome. You hear us? Yeah, perfectly loud. Good to have you here. Good we were be- just jamming about what makes Shanghai special. Oh. You just came in at the right time. And the point they were saying, this is the interesting, the point about Shanghai was that, I mean, I was saying that I've been to a lot of startup ecosystems in Asia and you walk into co-working spaces and accelerators and so on. And it's kind of like, it's, it's nice. And, okay. All right. I mean, diplomatic here, right? Lovely. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, like you walk into China Accelerator and bam, the energy's there. It's tangible. And, you know, we're talking about one of the things was that here in Shanghai, you can just get meetings with everybody. It's pretty easy. There's a fluidity, right? And then just as we we're saying that, you walk in just hmm. next door, right? So there you go. There's a, there's a good example there is of it. A, there is a definite sense of energy. Even when I was just coming down this uh, the corridor down here also, because I haven't been in this room before uh, since Ryan did it up. And all those screens that are on the wall there, like with location-based things and stuff that's going on inside the building. Yeah. Um, it's pretty insane. Like, and that's, you know, it's just a matter of weeks, things are changing. Yeah. But I think your point about getting a meeting easily, it takes a certain type of person to survive here too. What? Um, what type of person? I was trying to write some stuff down earlier on, just on a different subject, but same, same kind of touching on the same points. It's not initiative. I was trying to find the word and I couldn't find the word. Right. It's not, uh, it's not about an initiative or lack of initiative. It's, uh, it's a resilience or a tenacity. That I think, mm. you know, and I've lived in some of the harder cities, as as you guys have as well. Like I've lived in Hong Kong, I've lived in 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 Europe, I've lived in New York, like I've lived in Sydney. Those are all cities that are all difficult. Harder right? cities, yeah, Sydney. Hard, right? Come on, I'm Sydney, right? <laughs> New York, London, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a beach, right? <laughs> um, hard drinking, maybe. Right. Okay. But, right. But those, there, there's a different kind of tenacity. The doors are all open here. Like yeah. you can get hold of anyone you want. You can pick up the phone, get in touch with one person, someone, or just directly reach out and people will generally talk right, to you right. but it takes that type of person that has a their own rocket up their own ass basically right right to go okay and i've seen people that are great in other places other environments that just can't survive here yeah for some and people come and go hmm. real quick uh, how long have you been here jeffrey this is the second time around so i think i my parents came here before i did my parents right. came up like uh, late 90s i think right uh, i got here in 2005 or six the first so time when we, how old were you when you first came to china then my Empire. first trip to China ever yeah. was 13. 13. And so, you, did you live there at the time? I lived in Hong Kong. Right. And um, I came across in when I was 13 for school, for a school trip. Right. Uh, went over to Guangzhou for, it was either history or business studies. Right. And then the next year it was the opposite, whichever one it wasn't. And that was insane. Like that was still the days, giving away my age, that's 1989. Right. So that was just, it was just, just after bef- the handover. Oh, just before. Before the handover. Well, before the handover, but just before the square. Right. The right okay. So. It was it was all Caesar blue. There was no cars, just buses, trucks, lorries. Everyone was the same clothes, same mascot. Right, right. No shops, no restaurants. One hotel. 
That was it. And what kind of impression did that make upon you? Because you came back. Mine. Right, you thought, yeah, this is this oh, is this, yeah. this is. So we're thirteen, and <laughs> this is the tenacity you talk about. It's right? the whole year. Did you see something that other oh, people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Because exactly as a kid, I've seen that and thought, this is like North no. Korea. Yeah, it was a bit like that. So we were staying in, in the only hotel at the time was the White Swan, right down in, <laughs> and that was it. And you know, this was still in the days when you were when you had minders, like government minders, following right, you. So yeah. you could just roam around, right? You every one one for one, right? You had one government guy following you. Kids, thirteen. Um, and so we had the whole year, I think there's about a hundred of us that came for whatever reason, like just the brat that I am, went downstairs across the road from the hotel and there's one store, like a CCP store, communist party store, and it has a glass cabinet with the things in it. And that's literally their whole inventory. It's not like, oh, I'll have one of those and they get it from the back. Right. And it was, you know, toothpaste, toothbrush, some uh, potato chips uh, and some sweets some lollies, like white rabbit and some other things. Well, I went out with one other guy and we cleared out everything. <laughs> And then we sold it back to everyone the at like 10 times the price. Wow. So I'm pretty sure I knew straight away that- Right, there's an opportunity here. Yeah. How old are you, 13? Yeah. You're already hustling. Then, yeah. My dad was doing business up here since the 60s already. Though, right, so right. And I you're mean, from Australia originally? My dad's from Scotland. My mother's from Hong Kong. All oh, right, so, so, so you've got a bit of a, an Aussie accent. I went accent. to New Zealand there, got family there, and New Zealand right. citizens. You were everything. Do you, do you think, here's the interesting thing, because like sitting around the table, people have UN, lived in right? all mm, different kind of countries. And I wonder if that's something as well, because- you know, it's like I'm not tied to one country in a way. It makes it easier to adapt to anything. Really right? easy. Do you find that because you've you've just you're a 100%. bit of a mongrel, right? When it comes to nationalities, yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And I think the flip side of that, like you know, just it's like yeah, you're a mongrel. The flip side is you are so appreciative yeah. and open to anything. Right. Like we're yeah. colorblind, eh? We we really are colorblind when it comes to it. There is no every week the color of downstairs of CA changes. Right? It's, yeah. it's a different sea of people, a different flood of faith, but it never is an issue. It's never a point. It's not a, it's, you don't even mention, you know, like, yeah. well, you know, when we just did the, when you guys just did the, the new batch incoming review of everyone, it wasn't one mention of the nationalities or it was about the business and the right, type right, of right. person they were, the character traits they had, nothing yeah. to do with those other. I love that though. It's great. It's fantastic. I, I went you know? to a, I went to a networking event recently and I won't say what city it is mm. because again, I will incriminate myself, but it, it was like, you can listen to the podcast, but mm. it was like, you know, it was, oh, oh, you're British. Oh, great. You know, you into football. It's like, yeah, yeah it's all right. <laughs> and like, you know, do you hate the French too? It's like, no, it's like, you get kind of like people want to suck you into yeah. that sort of identity, don't you? I kind of want to sit outside of it a little yeah. bit because I don't sort of hang around with what they call expat communities exactly. as well so i mean do they have they wouldn't have you anyway <laughs> but you know one of the one of the interesting things about uh about uh maybe it's, i don't know if it's shanghai or china in general is mm. that uh we don't talk about it because it doesn't really give you a very good understanding mm. of, of the of the individual like yeah i mean downstairs right. now funders so were funded from 14 different nationalities yeah, yeah. but uh what makes what eventually what something that becomes super interesting is that you realize that uh some of the problems that they have in terms of having their families or their friends mm. understanding what they're doing, mm. it's easier to for the, it's, it's easier for them to communicate and have somebody understand it that is from a different country yeah. that somebody that they have they have grown up with, yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. and for some of us that that are here and have been for a certain time long, long term, it's sometimes easier to 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 feel yeah I mean I feel closer to you I mean I understand even if we're from different countries even we have even different right. age. Um, yeah. We understand we we understand each other better mm. than some of your your classmates or, or college uh, colleagues, right. and and that that helps people to remove any yeah, type prejudice. of uh, of prejudice yeah. and, and judging. And it's like yeah, we're 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 more similar than different, and yeah. that that's a kind of a super interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know this question you get asked right? Where are you from? 
I'm like, I don't know how to ask that, <laughs> answer that question. I'm like, I'm from Shanghai. And then they raise their eyebrows. You don't look like you're from Shanghai. Yeah, I've been living here 10 years. Or, you know, like where uh, was I born? Maybe a different, you know, answer. But I'm from Shanghai. I live there. I have a home there, family there, right? Mm. So this question kind of is getting redundant now, you know, like the way they mm. ask, like, yeah. you know, okay, oh, so you came from India, Goa. And actually in, in the Indian culture, right, just your name can tell you everything yeah. about yeah. you. Where you're from. Yep. Yeah. And so... Uh, like my in India, if I say my name, I say the full name, my name, middle name, last name, yeah. and they know exactly who I am, my caste. So where, you know? what do you say? What was your full name? Like, Kapil Suhas Pai Kani. Right. So, so what like, does that tell us about? Okay. So Pai, yeah. then you know I am a Brahmin okay. and a particular oh kind of yeah. Brahmin. That's pretty high up. That's yeah. the top Yeah, rate. and that Pai is even like, you know, higher. Right, right. But when I introduce myself here, I just say I'm Kapil. Because it's not of relevance to like yeah. Charles' point. It's like asking those kind of questions, they don't give you anything back other than prejudice. Right. So you don't offer that information here. And yeah. it seems a much more effective way, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, your name would be able to, for someone that it made sense to them, they would be able to determine enough yeah. to then be able to, to greet you properly and yeah. to have a conversation. And also you. if they see my father's name, yeah. then I might get certain favors without me even knowing yeah. that you know, so right. feel like someone goes yeah. through a list, they see my name and like, oh, he's this guy's son. I know him. So, okay, I'll let me bump him up. Yep. And that was the old way in like our hometown. But here, all this thing doesn't matter. It's mm. like just, you know, what you bring to the table that yeah. matters. You know, yeah. But what does that mean if you were to translate that into startups as an example? It, you know, because it's, yep. it's all very well having that for living here. But does that make for better startups? Does that make, you know, more innovation? What's the sort of tangible benefits of that in terms of technology and the ecosystem? I don't know if it's so much just that that attribute or that point itself. I think the general environment here is just so just before I came back to Shanghai, I was in New York for a few years with, mm. the, with the last company and uh, after exit there, what I noticed there was that people were generally more angry in New York. Yeah. And in the States in general, right? It's not an overwhelmingly like happy place. It's not a bad thing. It's just an observation. Right. And most people, and I, when I say most, I don't mean most of my circle. I mean, most people that I met, whether it's the guy at the laundromat, the taxi driver, whatever, yesterday was better than today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas here, yeah. everyone yes. here, yesterday was, it was better. Tomorrow mm. will be even better. The next day will be yeah, even better. It's yeah, always yeah. going positive. So people are just running forward here. And that I think is the most important thing yeah, yeah. is that everyone is so, um, is so the momentum is carrying everyone forward that everyone is just open to anything that is additive. Mm. There's no door that's shut in your face because of baggage, because of legacy, because of, you know, that's just the way the system is, or that's just, those are the entrenched forces. There are none. Mm. And that's why you can get these amazing solutions coming out of, you know, people scratching their heads going, what, where did these come from? I Chi, what? Who listed when just the other day? On like, Where did that thing come from? What, the thing that's 55 times the size of Netflix? Right. That one? Yeah. yeah. Right? And that's, that's what it's makes happening, me about this right? Oh, yeah. Cool. And just rounding out, I just want right. to say, earlier when I just landed and I came to the hotel, I met up with uh, three students because they just, you know, they listened to the podcast and they wanted to hook up. Groupies. They were, <laughs> they're listening now. So a big shout out to Elliot, Sean and Paratosh. But the point is, right, they, they're students from the US. They're 19, 20 years old and they were sitting around the table. They're just having a, a water, mm. right? Seriously, students in a bar having a water. And they were saying, um, you know, they're asking me, they're saying, what should I do? You know, what should I do with my career? You know, they, they're here on a semester, right? I thought, 
you're here already. You've done it. You've, you've taken the first most important step. You know, if I was 19, 20 years old here, it's like, this is it. Just to come here and That's see it eyes. happen. Exactly. Because yeah. I think, you know, the challenge is they're surrounded by people doing the same thing. So they think it's kind of normal, right? But the reality is, is they go back home. They're like 1%. You know, they're the top 1% of people who are actually getting off their ass and doing something. Right. So anybody out there listening, you're thinking, how do I, you know, get involved in Shanghai or China or Asia? It's just like, you know, buy the fucking ticket. Get just on the plane. Get on the plane and turn up. Yep. Show up. I mean, to look at it in retrospective. Um, but don't, but don't leave your luggage at the airport. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. I don't want to cut you off there. I mean, I came, I mean, I think that happens with a lot of people. I mean, yeah. I don't know, I, I don't know yeah. your, your plan, yeah. but, uh, but when I came. I have I, never lost the luggage. So I came here like, yeah, you know, I'm going from a year, year and a half, and then we'll see. Uh, that's 10 years. I, I, people still ask, like, when, when are you going to? I mean, they say go back. home, right? Go home. Yeah, like, I am it's like, home. Where's home? You know, now like, you've got uh, that out, your like system, you were talking right? about being, being, I mean, uh, where are you from? Yeah. I, mean, I, I have two kids. If, if you ask my kids that were born in Shanghai, raised in Shanghai, where yeah, are they right. from? They're, they're Shinies. Yep. And then people look at them weirdly. But the key is like coming. So, I mean, even the, 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 you, I mean, just doing the first step. Like yeah, the first yeah, step yeah. is really important. What is going to be the destination? Sometimes you don't know. And particularly when, when you're very young, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, I came here in my, in my late twenties and, uh, in my, in my, in my late thirties. Um, I would have never imagined anything. Like it's just that, that we live in a, in a very small bubble and we're very limited for, for, mm. I mean, what we, we think it's possible. And then you go somewhere else and suddenly your, what your opinion or your thoughts about what can be done change dramatically. And then you can make decisions based on, on something absolutely different. Asia Tech Podcast. This was insanely good today. Thank you so That's much fun. to my guests. Obviously, on my left here, Kapil Kane, who set all this up. Thank you very much, Kapil, oh, on yeah, your day off yeah. as well. My pleasure. Yeah, only because his wife left him in the city yeah. for the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. Oscar Ramos. Thank you so much. Thank you for so much for setting this up. That was really appreciated. No, yeah. thank you very much for uh, for for making it uh, for making it happen. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And of course, Jeffrey Handley. Thank off. you for letting me in at the last minute. Yeah, no, great, Appreciate great to it. have you here. Excellent, good, good timing. Thank, thank you, you chaps. You've really been inspiring with your stories today. So you know, excellent. Awesome. Keep doing what you're doing because I'm sure now people listening to this, you planted the seeds. You, you're now responsible for people thinking <laughs> now on kayak website booking <laughs> flights. All your fault, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Graham. Perfect. Cuts. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.